0: To Bergeron on the drive, save rebound, is loose, seven kicks and loose, Bergeron scores! What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Allred, alongside and well below actually is Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, what's going on? Oh, not much, man. It's
2: been a really good week, not only for the Boston Bruins, but for this podcast. We got a lot of awesome stuff upcoming, um, some really cool stuff Um, for me personally, business wise, too. It's just a really good week. I'm in good spirits. I'm excited to get going.
0: Awesome. Uh joining us today is uh, uh is Blake Thorne and uh, Blake's a passionate Boston Bruins fan. Blake, welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, sir. Happy to be here, guys. Yeah, and uh please do me a favor and tell us where uh who you write for and where we can uh the uh the audio listeners can follow and uh the uh video viewers can follow you.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm an NHL reporter for Hockey Night New England and uh we cover all the NHL stuff, college stuff, high school scene within New England. I also am a contributor writer for Primetime Sports Talk along with, I do script writing for Hockey Night New England as well. All my stuff is posted on my Twitter, underscore Blake Thorne. So yeah, check it out if you want. Awesome.
0: Very, very happy to hear from, uh, have you here with us. Uh, A little babble there from the old man. Uh. (laughs) We've always communicated
1: Um, on Twitter. It's just the first go around, get on the mics.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Breaking the ice here. Um, we, we have a, a, a quick pod we're going to get out today just to get the content out and uh, so I can uh, cover the Providence Bruins game uh, this evening. But um, before we do all this uh, Boston Bruins hockey talk, we do have to hear about show sponsored betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full stream for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.ag is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.ag is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline.ag is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, Beast fans, you just heard me talk about the amazing people over at BetOnline.ag. Please go and check them out. Don't forget to use that code CLNS50 because it does a great deal of service for us. And um, it gets us paid, So, and we love money. But we love talking about the Boston Bureau above everything. And we have a huge agenda. Not a huge agenda, but we do have a lot of Aspie and Gs, a lot of folks uh, out in the the Twitterverse, and, and even Facebook got involved. So we'll get to those at the end of the show. But let's start off with last week's um, games, and we record from a Wednesday-to-Wednesday Wednesday, uh, kind of schedule, so let's get started with the Seattle Kraken. Um, it was an interesting game, to say the least. The Boston Bruins did pull it off at a uh, 3-2 to two overtime victory. Uh, the Bruins' goal scorers were Jake DeVos scoring his 10th from Eric Holler and uh, Craig Smith. Um and that was at the 1733 mark of the first period. Second period, David Pasenak scores his 28th from Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick. That was at the 647 mark of the second period. And uh, in overtime, Jake DeBras coming through. He's been playing an amazing, amazing style of hockey, which we thought, you know, wish we had this all year. But uh, he scores his 11th uh, from Coyle and Charlie McAvoy at the 33. Second mark of the overtime, giving the Boston Bruins a three to two win. Thoughts on this game from guest Blake?
1: I love that game. Um, Obviously, we would have liked to see a little more lopsided or not even go into uh, overtime, but I do think that they kind of came together there. I like the contribution from the back end, Charlie McAvoy, and then some guys up front. So I think overall, that was a solid game. They definitely could have been lopsided on the scoring more and nod went into overtime in my opinion, but nevertheless, two points. Absolutely. Kevin. Yeah. That's one of the
2: thing you see with this, these, this, team here, they decide they want to play down to their opponents. And we've talked about that plenty here on this podcast. And it's one of the things I'd like to see them build upon, but surprisingly they pull out the wins against these teams, you know, regardless of how pretty they may look or how bad they may look, they get the wins so I think that's I think that's really just one thing you gotta look at when you look at these games. But the the overall game, I mean, it was fine. It, you know, they pulled out a win against the Seattle Kraken team. Uh Jake Debrusque, like you said, he was all over the place. Um that, that overtime goal, using speed to just get to the outside and, and put one in at a bad angle, I love goals like that. Hard working goals and he deserved it.
0: Absolutely. Linnaeus, I'll mark up the win in net, stopping 25 with 27. Um, he's uh, starting to, I like Linnaeus and everything, and we'll, we'll talk about it later, but um, there's a little bit of weirdness in his game. It almost seems like when he was pushed by tukaras coming back uh, and, and find, trying to find his way in the lineup, he was really playing good. Like He didn't want to lose his job or anything like that. But it almost seems like lately he's coming down to earth when it's just him and Jace White. So um, I, I'm not overly concerned about what's going on with uh, Lanius at this moment. I think we still do have a solid 1A, 1B. Uh, but now we're starting to transition into uh, a different uh, path uh, in the crease, and we'll talk about that with the next game coming up, and that was the San Jose Sharks. Uh, it was a 3-1 to victory for the Boston Bruins, who were on the road again. Um the Bruins got off and running with a Brad Marchand 22nd goal from Jake DeBrosk and Eric Haller at the 14-24 mark of the first period, giving the Boston Bruins a one and nothing lead. Jumping to the sec- uh, third period, Brad Marchand scores his 23rd, uh, assisted by Hall uh, um, Taylor Hall and Craig Smith. That was at the 3-18 mark of the third period. And Patrice Bergeron, he scores his 14th from – uh, David Pasternak and Brad Marchand uh, at the 1920 mark of the third period, uh, and that was the three to one score. Um, uh, Let's see what we got here because I, I didn't do my homework. Jeremy Swamming got the win. He stopped 15 of 16 shots, and um, this is basically the start of where I was talking about where. They're really trying to, in my opinion, uh, find out who is going to be the crease guy. Um, and I'm not saying that the Bruins are going to go into a path of we're going to ride Swayman for the rest of the season. But I think that the better goaltender is going to get more of the games coming down to the playoffs. And uh, I'm just curious about what your thoughts, Blake, uh, on on that and uh, in this game.
1: So, the one goal that did go in that game was a little bit leaky from Swayman, in my opinion. But, like, he also had that crazy one-handed snag on Hurdle in the back end of the game. So, if he's going to have his ebbs and flows throughout a game and he's able to find his game throughout to the end, then I'm fine with him being the 1A because, I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. He's been phenomenal lately. He certainly has earned the position over Omar and I don't think you should change much going forward. Definitely consider Swayman playing over Olmark, but if there's maybe an easier night on the defensive end, then you should probably give Swayman a rest. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I I 100% agree with that. Uh, before, I was very, I wasn't very keen on having Swayman kind of take over that that role. But how can you deny the way he's playing right now? It's absolutely Gross. unreal. Um, he easily got to be in the call to conversation if he continues to play the way he's doing. Um, I'd even, I mean, I wouldn't say that he'd be a Vesna candidate, but I think he would turn some heads when it comes to. Um, I think he could maybe get a couple of votes there. Uh, he's um he's doing great things i mean on the season itself i believe he has what like a 0.926 or a 0.929 save percentage around there um and 99. that's af- yeah and that's after a um a, a not so good start for him so he's really turned it around um i love what he's doing i'm super excited and i i feel like in the last seven or so minutes of that game he really stole the end of that game for them Um, the Bruins were just kind of being collapsed on and he stood, he stood his ground. He stood the crease, kept the puck out. Like you said, that save where he was just laying down, like he wanted to be drawn like a French girl or something like that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) making that save. That was incredible to see. Um, and you know, had hurdle got maybe more elevation on that. Obviously there's nothing he could have done about it, but he was able to track it. You know, and and make the save, and I can't say enough about Jeremy swimming right now. I can't.
0: Yeah, uh, good game. Obviously, the win it continues this winning streak. Um, but I mean, this was this was a game that uh, I thought. I actually thought that the the uh, Seattle game would be a lot better uh, offensively because we know how Seattle is and where they are in the standings and so on. I just thought that the Bruins would take a little bit more of a, an advantage of that. But this is very just typical of the Boston Bruins. It's so Boston Bruins to play down to the level of, of a certain team and so on. So. Um, hopefully, I mean, two points is two points regardless, but those those are something that uh, needs to be addressed, that you need to come and play a 60-minute effort no matter what and who you play because it's not going to – there's no forgiveness in the playoffs. You know, the regular season you might get a game here and a game there, but, um, you know, the points are a premium. We did get the win. I get it. But, um, you know, a, a wrong bounce somewhere could change the, uh, the um, flow of that game. Uh, moving on to Monday, the 28th against the Los Angeles Kings. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. And I've said, listen, I've been on a coffee kick for this freaking West Coast trip, so I'm probably, like, shaking. I have a defibrillator over in the corner over there, and I got EMS on standby outside just in case. Look at, look at my eyes, Mark. Look at the bags. Yeah, I know, look the bags. You look like you've been snorting coke for, like, eight days. I have I'm been. Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> wish I had been.
2: I need it for these, staying up for these games. My God.
0: On. Yeah. But seven and nothing win. And um, and this was the game that I, I knew that the Bruins were going to play big because it's just one of these games that um, it, it's the back-to-back. So the next game I thought for sure that they were going to lose. But this game I I thought they were going to win, but I didn't know it was going to be this big. So let's just get started. On the on the Bruins scoring, Jake DeBrusque scores his twelfth from Bra- Brad Marshan and Patrice Bergeron at the 101 mark of the first period. Real quick start, Jake DeBrusque in the same first period scores his thirteenth at the 1337 mark, unassisted, and that's two to nothing. In the second period, at the 53 second mark of the uh, of the uh, middle frame, Jake DeBrusque comes in with a natural hat trick, a three to nothing lead unbelievable, assisted by Patrice Bergeron and Charlie McAvoy. And speaking of Patrice Bergeron, he scores his 15th of the season in the same second period at the 1140 mark, given that Boston Bruins a four to nothing lead. And that was a power play goal, um, for St. Patrice, uh, Continuing on in the second period, what an offensive period! Um, this was amazing. But it's five to nothing, courtesy of Taylor Hall. He scores his twelfth from David Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy at the twelve forty-two mark of the second. Moving on to the third period, Eric Halla, he scores his sixth goal of the season. It's six to nothing at the ten eleven mark of the third period. That's a power play goal, and I believe was that the goal that was yeah. his one hundredth.
1: 100th yep. career goal and then yep. Coyle and Smith 200 career assist.
0: Exactly. So Coyle and uh, Smith get the apples on that one at the 10, 10 mark of the third. And finally, Eric Hall does it again. School is his seventh of the season season from Hall and DeBrusque at the 1339 mark of the final frame, giving the Boston Bruins a seven to nothing lead Uh win. Sorry. And, uh, Wow, it was amazing. Um, Jeremy Swayman, he gets the shutout, stopping all 34 shots. And um, just an, an unbelievable effort from him. Just really shut everything down. But I, in this particular game, I just want to say that um, everybody came together. This is another 60-minute effort um, on the road. At, I, I think the last 60-minute effort that I saw was uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. This was another one, and it's these are the good games that you want to see, um, especially on the road trip, when you don't see these teams often. Um, you know, non-divisional games, non-conference games, and so on, but uh, just an amazing effort. Um, Blake, thoughts on this LA Kings win, this this touchdown win from the Boston Bruins?
1: Uh, it was amazing, obviously. I think it was an all-time high for Bruins Twitter. <laughs> um, but obviously, just like every single facet of their game contributed all four lines. Every guy was at least getting shots on that. Most guys were getting points on the board. And like, that's one of those games where you're like the Bruins definitely are better than them. Like we should probably beat them four to one, two, but like we never expect to get like a five to seven, nothing game like that. And it's good to see them do that. And like have the capability of doing that to some of the bottom of the barrel teams. So that like, they kind of separate themselves from the middle of the pack. And I thought that was a really good thing to bring out of that game. Obviously Jeremy Swayman with the 34 save shutout is amazing. And we love seeing that. And that was their fifth straight win, but obviously that got cut off last night. Still just some good momentum for the boys. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, that
2: game, that game is, it's, it's strange to me because the Kings, they're a lot better than that. Um, before that they were eight, one and one in their last 10, they sit, um, second in the Pacific division. Um, they're definitely a lot better team than that. And I think what really kind of started burying that team was right from the get-go when, um, uh, Jonathan quick lets in that not so good goal against, uh, Jake DeBrus. That's a goal that you're not going to see very many goaltenders give up. And if you do, it's maybe once a season. Um, So the second one too was another one that I think quick really wanted back. So you got two goals in the net now that your goaltender probably really wants back. That's deflating to a team. Now that's not to say that the Boston Bruins didn't absolutely dominate them because they did every single time they tried to push back. The Boston Bruins said, absolutely not. And shoved it down their throats Took advantage of every single opportunity they absolutely could. I will say that third goal though, that was a very, very, very heads up goal by Jake Debrusque with that deflection. That was hand-eye. That was it it could have been it, it almost got called back, but they couldn't mm-hmm. find any type of conclusive evidence to do so. Um, so that's great. I mean, as far as I know, that was crossbar down. He's good. Yeah. And you gotta love it. And Eric Halla, I mean getting two goals in that game you gotta love to see that he needed that bad um bergeron you know scoring it's it's such a good game it it was such a good game uh they really needed it i'm very happy that they were able to pull that out and um yeah
1: just to add one more thing um it the kings really didn't lay down and just let them do that like going throughout the whole game the scoring chances like they weren't too far in differential. I mean, it was within like eight eight of each other. That's not too bad. And they had above 10 scoring chances. It's not like they didn't literally do nothing. Like they played an awful game, but it wasn't like they just didn't have the fire that they needed that night. They brought some of it, but not enough at all.
0: Yeah. And ending a five-game winning streak for the Kings too on the yeah. Mice was huge. And um Jesus, I can't remember who fought. Um, um, oh, I can't remember his name now. His father was a pain in the ass. Lemieux, Lemieux. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Who who got in the fight with Lemieux? Frederick. Yeah, Freddie Sweet Sauce. That's right. Now it's good to see um, that particular game. That's that's the type of time you want to see Frederick fight. You know, I, I think that in previous years when Frederick got his chances, I think that he was asking for in at inappropriate times when it possibly could put his team at a disadvantage. So I think uh, Trent's game's uh, coming around a little bit more, and um, hopefully it continues because um, he's definitely had a re- resurgence, to, uh, to be honest, in my opinion. Um, moving on to the final game of the uh, schedule, on our schedule anyway, that was against the uh, Anaheim Ducks the following night Tuesday. Um, it was a four-to-three uh, loss uh, to the Ducks on the road, and um, uh, Nick Foligno got the uh, goal-scoring started for the Boston Bruins. He scores his second from Brandon Carlo and uh, Thomas Nosek at the 8:15 mark. Uh, solid tip-in from him. Good net-front presence, um, and he's he's pretty much uh, stepped up his game, which is good. Um, and then going all the way to the second period, Brandon Carlos scores his fifth of the season from Nosek and Felino at the 11 15 mark of the middle frame to give the uh Bruins, uh, uh Anaheim a three to two lead. Uh, the third period, David Passamack scores his 29th of the season, uh, from Taylor Hall and Eric Haller, uh, at the 152 mark of the third period and uh, is tied at three. But, at the 1938 mark of the third period, the skillful hands, the young man that's probably going to win the call there. Uh, 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 Zegers scores his 14th, and um, that's it for the game. Um, uh, Linius Allmark got the loss in this one. Uh, tough game for him. Um, rebound control was not good. and Man, uh, Twitter this morning it was tough. Tough on him uh, saying, you know, that they, they can still continue that games like this prove that it was a terrible contract, terrible signing and blah, blah, blah. I was fighting with everybody all morning today. So um, lots of fun on the uh, Twitterverse as usual. But um, another game that I thought that the Bruins could have had, but it, I, I kind of think that it was the game before that they pretty much, um, you know, expelled most of their energy and weren't really up for the the uh, the next game, which um, is is technically the first time that this Boston Bruins team this season, if I'm not mistaken, has been really really bad in back to backs. Um, in the previous games when they have had um, back to backs, I've seen a, a little bit better effort. And I think that Bruce Cassidy and coaching staff have really gotten together and and gotten these guys ready for these two games in a row. But this, this one was just not in the cards for them. And um, I don't blame Blenius on, on the, on the loss. Totally rebound control was tough. I get it. I mean, these are, these are split second decisions. It's really tough at this level. And, um, but then again, the guys out in front of them, they just, they just didn't seem like they were clicking all together. So I cannot give this total uh, loss on Lenius. I give it a team loss up and down the bench and the six guys on the ice. Thoughts, Blake?
1: Yeah. Um, before we get into the negativities, got to shout out Nick Felino for the uh, Gordie Howe hat trick, of course. Oh, yeah? Love to see one of those. Um, but uh, the defensive zone puck management was just brutal. Like, Derek Forbert cost them the first goal. The second goal was Brad Marshaw with a bad high zone turnover. Those are just things you're not going to be able to do and beat a team as good as the Ducks. And I don't necessarily blame Linus. I do think that he could have had a better night for sure, 100%. But when he gets left to dry like that, like a beach towel that's been forgotten, like you can't really get on him like that. I mean, get on Derek Forbert because he's been brutal consistently and I just I just don't think that uh obviously Bruins Twitter or people on social media are going to resort to the goalie because he's the one guy in the net but there is a lot more under at that than just him
0: absolutely mm-hmm.
2: yeah I mean that's what Bruins fans do well not all Bruins fans I mean if I say Bruins fans I'm gonna I don't do that I'm, it's like we <laughs> you know so it, there's a portion of Bruins fans out there who just love to always use the goaltender as a scapegoat, as you'd said. And that's disappointing because like both of you said, I mean, it was not a good night in front of their goaltender and Linus Olmark is a goaltender who plays, I think, better when he has some consistency going. Um, he, he's kind of, he's, he's kind of being put on the shelf a little bit for, I, I think a little bit too long I think, that, I think he needs to be having more starts in order to really play his game well. I think he's that type of goaltender. Um, but, I mean, you have to ride the hot hand with Swayman, so I'm not at all knocking Bruce Cassidy there. Um, he had to be better there. Uh, rebound control was tough. It looked like he was a little bit sloppy, coming out a little bit too far of the crease. Um, but, overall, I think he did enough to help this team win. Absolutely Agreed. did. He made some really good saves. Um, he kept him in it. Unfortunately, um, Craig Smith and Charlie McAvoy decided to ruin that. And um, here we are, you know, lost the game in the final minute. That sucks. Uh, Nick Felino, yes, very, very happy to see that guy get going. Um, like I've, I've been saying this since the Colorado game, he's looked so much better with every shift. Every single time he touches the ice, he's getting better. And last night was just the cherry on top for him. Um, fantastic night for him. Very, yeah, very, happy. He, almost, he almost had another goal there to tie the game at three, three at one point. It was so close. I was like, Oh my God. Imagine that. That would have been so good. But people got to stop knocking on this guy. He's had zero consistency since he has joined this organization. He's been thrown up and down the lineup. He's in a new system, new teammates, new city. He has no idea what's going on half the time. So give the guy a break. Give him some consistency on this fourth line with his two line mates that he he has. I mean, I understand uh, Lazar will be coming in once he's ready to go, and that's great because I think that line's going to be phenomenal. But um, yeah, give him give him time. You know, let him. He's he's going to be so valuable for you. You know, going into the playoffs, and that has nothing to do with how many goals he's going to score. You, it's what he's going to be able to do in the locker room to pick you guys up. It's what he's going to be able to do on the ice to pick you up. And play, playing defensively and playing a nice, strong physical game. So stop crapping on the guy. Stop asking to trade a guy with a no move clause that Bergeron literally made a call to get here. <laughs> Relax. That's all I got to yeah. say.
0: Yeah. And like, um, like you said earlier, I believe last week's podcast when we had Dom Tiano on that he's yeah. been more engaged, uh, lately. And I think that maybe, um, You know, he had to um, light a fire under his own ass to say that, you know, I need to be more of a a leader on this team on and off the ice and um, be ready no matter where this coaching staff puts me. And lately I've seen a big uptick in in his game. Um, The net front presence has been better. He's been more physical and so on. But the other thing that I took from Dom last week is like, do we really give a, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, we do, because you do have to win in the regular season to get to the playoffs, but are we all really giving a shit about what Nick Felino does in the regular season, or are we really building him up to see what he can do in the playoffs when we need those players that really grind it out and so on, like the St. Louis's and the Tampa Bay's. I'm not saying that he's uh, Blake Coleman and and this – and. Um, I can't remember the fucking guy's name all the time. Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon. I think of the hair, the flow <laughs> that that guy's freaking guy, and three Stanley Cups, but I can never figure out his freaking name. I love see, how the, I always know who you're talking about, too. Well, <laughs> Pat they, well, Maroon, I,
1: Mark. That's chemistry right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, no, it's just, it, you know, that's the style. That's, that's the type of game that we're going to need in the playoffs later on. And, and if he's just warming up now to what we're going to see in the postseason, I'm all in. And it was a good signing, in my opinion. Um, and I love his versatility, even though he's not, um, you know, catching it everywhere, whether he plays the middle, the left or the right. Um, but regardless, it's it, it's good to have him a uh, leader on the bottom six. Um, and and in like uh, it's going to be interesting on what this lineup, especially the bottom six, is when Lazar comes back, uh, who's going to be sitting, uh, you know, for a, a, a duration of the time. But
1: uh, good a stuff, man. Just to add one more thing, Mark, I mean, if you're a Bruins fan and you follow all the Bruins stuff on social media, all like the funny little clips that they take in the hallways and stuff, Felino is one of the most interactive guys. He buys into the locker room chemistry, all the nonsense yep. that goes on. He's just Absolutely. a big locker room guy and leader. He's important to the team, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And if you don't like candy corn, man, Jesus, look out. <laughs> No All right, yeah, I'm not a candy <laughs> corn guy either. It's freaking nasty. You know, Merrill
2: Marshall from the yeah. uh, Causeway Kings. I was texting yep. with him last night during the game, and he was talking about Jack. We were talking about something, and it got into Jack Edwards. He's like, "God, dude, that the, that guy's teeth is just nasty." And I started <laughs> laughing. I was like, "Yeah, you know, I I heard that um, I heard that Nick Felino thought they were candy corn and tried eating them. <laughs> we were losing <laughs> it for a little bit."
1: That's gross! Oh my god! That's gross!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get that. I gotta get that GIF of like, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back to the topics uh, on the agenda. Um, Jake DeBrusque, uh his agent mentions the Bruins forward still wants to be traded, and the um, and his group has been granted permission to talk to other teams, particularly when they're talking about extensions i um, not shocked that Jake DeBrusque wants to still be moved regardless of what he's doing. Um, I give, I give Jake DeBrusk kudos for um, not sulking um, being a consummate professional every time he steps on the ice in the locker room and so on. He might have an issue or there might be an issue with him and, and, and coaching staff and how he wants to play and this and that. It happens. I get it. Um, but, This just kind of moves the needle a little further that uh, something could happen. Um, But if it does, it does. But I I really want to see this Boston Bruins team get something value back. I'm not saying that he's going to garner a a huge trade or anything like that. But I'd like to see something before it walks. But also, on the other side of the coin, it's like if he's playing this good, he's under contract. The Boston Bruins don't necessarily have to trade him. And um and and my theory is if he's playing good, you ride the hot hand and then move him before the draft. Like get a third round pick for him or a second or or whatever. Um, I mean anything could happen. But when a player is playing like this, you just you you just gotta ride it out. But you also have to have the intelligence to know that he is a streaky player and he has been his whole career since uh, he came into the league. I think believe he had twenty seven goals as a rookie and i and i i still believe that he wouldn't have gotten to that point without the full year in providence but re- regardless of uh of his year in the minor pro um it's, it he's he's doing good he's he's feeling it you see him smiling it's just he, he, for humanity you think about him and and him being in a good place and so on but it's also a um, a value increaser when you're thinking about the trade deadline in about three weeks. So um, Blake, uh, since you're the guest here, and obviously younger than um, than uh, Mike Kevin over here, why is uh, it
2: obvious? Is it my well, is it the bags under my eyes?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 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 but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on on this whole um, this whole scenario, and where do you think it's going to end up?
1: All right, so I just to add on one thing that you said in the beginning, I think he's handled this more professional than any player possibly could have in the league. I mean he's got people bashing him left and right, and he hasn't even snarked back at him yet, so maybe he will when he gets moved and I do think he's going to get moved um I don't really think that it's a smart idea necessarily to keep him if player expresses that they want to leave then I Typically in the past for the Bruins, players usually get shipped out. So I don't really see him staying past the deadline. And if he does, then it's going to be just something great for us to use as a trade asset in the summer. And hopefully he keeps up his point production throughout the end of the season and whatever we make it into playoffs. But if you're going to deal him before the deadline, you deal him as soon as possible to see what you have in the market you don't want pieces to fly off the market you can't wait back you got to kind of be on the offensive with this piece considering his recent production I mean granted his inconsistencies in the past I think like just this year like has really like shown a lot about his character and who he is as a hockey player in my opinion so I feel like they would take this year as a really big thing and kind of sweep a little bit of the inconsistencies under the rug not all of them because he is a hot and flashy players so i just i think they uh need to be smart about this and make sure that we get some good value in return
2: yeah uh if i'm don sweeney i'm selling him at this deadline yeah um 100 and i've seen bruins fans out there who are saying like oh look at how good he's playing let's keep him blah 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 maybe he'll you know not put have his trade request out there anymore well i mean a that was already kind of debunked now with what has came out but even even if he did want to rescind his uh trade request i'm still sending him out the door i'm still doing yeah. it because i mean he may be doing good right now but it's like the boy who cried wolf i've seen too much of Debrusque in his streakiness and his non-committal to um you know play on the ice at certain times and certain stretches throughout um not only the regular season but the playoffs and if i'm the boston bruins i'm looking to bring in somebody who is going to compete their ass off every single night um, and in the playoffs, especially. Um, So if I'm the Bruins and if I can get a high pick for him at this, at this deadline, that's a win, win for me because one, I can either use that pick to better this team at the deadline, or I can go ahead and pick it in a really extremely deep draft. I, I, if I'm Don Sweeney, I'm trading him for a pick. I'm not trading him for a problem player uh, or anything like that. Like I've seen stuff about Max Domi. I'm all set. I don't need Max Domi. Um, it, you know, if, if Chicago wanted to give us Dylan Strom, I think I'd be on board for that though. That would, I, I'd be okay with that one. But I mean, I don't see, I don't know what type of package he's going to be able to do for a player of significance without giving up um, something I don't want him to give up. So I'm kind of wary about that. So I think the best thing to do <clears throat> trade him for trade him for a pick or two, preferably a higher pick something that you can use um you know whether it's at the whether it's at the deadline or in the draft and that just gives you more cap space so you got the cap space now you got a pick you can use uh however you seed fit that's how you should do it and then you can go ahead and get a player who can play on that right side with uh patrice bergeron and brad Marchand.
0: one thing i want to touch on before we end this uh this particular topic is his qualifying offer. And I know, Kevin, that you've been really high on on that in, in retaining Jake Dabrowski. But it, just say that you have 31 um, general managers around the league and you look at that number, but you look at his streakiness, you look at the Q, uh, QA, QO, sorry. Uh, letters are hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh Numbers and letters. Numbers exactly. and Exactly. I'm terrible at this. Uh, <laughs> no, anyway. Um, but does this hot hand give another general manager the, the, the wood that he needs to, like, say, we need this guy? Or is it going to be one of those things that, you know, we're just going to uh, take a chance on uh, just, you know, moving him for a pick and then see what happens? Because the way he's so streaky – I just think that that's like a deterrent for any other general managers because that's gonna want to like take a chance on a four point what a one four point two, uh, Q uh qualifying offer. Um, it's really tough for me to think about because he hasn't been doing this all year. If he was doing this consistent all year, I could easily say anybody in this NHL right now would take a chance on him and his qualifying offer later on as an RFA. But um, is that something that's gonna scare people away?
2: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been on this before, you know, it was popular to say it when uh, when um you know, the big guys came out and said, "Oh, Teams are wary of his qualifying offer." I've been all over this. Like, this is something that's just kind of a no-brainer. You look at the player, you look at what he can do, and you look at what he doesn't do, and his commitment to this team. Sometimes you wonder about his commitment to hockey in general. And you see that number and you are just like, "Whoa, okay, that's scary." Um you know, I, I don't want to sign him for that. I also don't want to let him walk for nothing. If he wins an ARB, cause it's the arbitration too. So if he, if he wins yeah. the ARB case, that's some scary stuff. Um, so teams are very, very keen on, um, on kind of doing their due diligence here and making sure that if they bring this player in one, is he going to sign with this team for, I, I think Jake DeBrusque needs to understand that wherever he goes, He's probably going to be signing a prove it deal. Um, I don't think he should be thinking that he's going to go out there and make four point whatever million dollars or even the three mil three point I think three point six seven that he's making now. I think he should be understanding that he's going to need to do a prove it deal. I mean, but one thing I can say is if Nick Ritchie can get four hundred and seventy five chances on NHL teams, I think that uh, Jake DeBrus deserves one with a new team. So I don't think he's going to have a problem finding a home. That's for sure. Now a team that may take him on, I have a feeling that's going to be, it, it might be a desperation type move. Um, you know, a team has an injury or something like that. They see Jake Debrust there. They're like, we'll give you a second round pick in this upcoming draft. That's a no brainer. I take it and I run.
0: So yeah. we'll see. Absolutely. Finish up Blake.
1: Yeah. Um, so the one thing that, like, if I'm a, if I'm a GM hop into a GM perspective here really quick, his production recently is with the first line on the Boston Bruins with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, that doesn't help his case at all. So it's going to be very tough to just kind of, it will be tough to essentially win the deal. I feel like it's going to have to be pretty much even. Can I push back on that just a little bit and kind of agree? So
2: this actually started on the fourth line for him. This is, that's when he started kind of his hot streak. And and then then to kind of,
1: he just, yeah, it's open. And then
2: to kind of agree with you, two of those goals on, you know, against the Kings should not have been goals. Right. I mean, I think general managers are also going to be looking at that. They're going to look at the goals and they're going to say, okay, was that how much of that was skill and how much of that was, quick didn't know where he was that night Yeah. you know so there's going to be a little bit of that too mm-hmm. i mean it, the, the the but but they also will be looking at the speed the commitment yeah. on the ice you know the the things he was doing correctly so I, I i don't know how much his trade value has gone up but i don't think it's gone up as men as much as people
1: might think it has yeah.
0: good points um, good points
1: He's definitely like done some good things within the past games, not just relying on completely Bergeron and Marshawn. Like he's fed Marshawn for a couple of goals. I don't know how many specifically, but he's Mm, made some great plays. Mm -hmm. So he has been getting assists and goals. So being in the right spots with the right guys, Just got to find the right guys for him. Mm -hmm.
0: I kind of, you know, I kind of feel for the player also. And I wish that he had a chance to play more with Patrice and, and Brad. Uh, In previous seasons to see if we can, you know, if there was anything there, but there was that, it was that off wing thing that kind of maybe, I know for me, I'm I'm not a fan of, 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 of a uh, left shot playing on the, on the right wing, but I mean, if you're good at it, you're good at it, but we've seen so many times when he's played there that it just, it, sometimes it just doesn't look right. But all of a sudden you, you get next to, you know, the, one of the best left wingers in the league and probably your sulky trophy winner this season. And and uh, amazing things happen, you know. It's amazing on how uh, Saint Patrice and and uh, Brad can uh, increase uh, somebody's trade value, and that's probably that was probably a ploy by uh, by the uh, coaching staff and management. Let's see what we can do up here to see if we can get entice some uh, some phone calls. But mm-hmm. uh, regardless, let's move off with Jake I Wish him well, no matter what, what. You know, be a solid pro. Put the puck in the net. Make impacts in games if you're not scoring and giving an assists and just you know do, do the best that you can to, to get a, a decent return. Um, moving on to another topic, uh, Bruins goaltender Jeremy Swayman uh, earns a Rookie of the Month for February after going 5-1-1 one one with a 1.13 goals against the average and a 9.60 save percentage with two shutouts. And he, since, since he came back from Providence, uh, he's 5011, a one ninety five GAA, and a 0.971 save percentage. Now I'm going to tell you something right now, and I probably said this last week with Dom and, and Kevin. I know what's coming. Providence was not a bad thing for him. Yeah. It was not a bad thing for him. And I just need—I'm going to call somebody out right now because I know he doesn't listen to this podcast. But Smitty, Smitty, you mofo! Look what happened!
2: Look what happened! <laughs>
0: he's it didn't ruin about- his career.
2: Talk about that Smithers dude or whatever.
0: Yeah, he's a yeah. pain in my ass because every time, point. every time he goes down to Providence, like, oh, here we
1: go. We're
0: gonna ruin another one. It's like, what? Uh,
1: <laughs> Which one have we ruined? He's the most mentally tough guy there is. So I know. Not a. He's got coat is co- is gonna debunk him. Oh. oh, by the way, did you see that nice shirt? Oh. Oh. I, I made that
0: design. I love it. I know nice. you yeah. did. I wore to work today just to show off the other podcast on the network, you know, yeah. spreading the love. Um, I, a huge Jerry Swayman fan. I just think that everything is like coming into place for him right now. Um, he's got one more year on his entry-level deal. I don't think he's ever going back to Providence. I think that this is this is what he's been looking for, and what the team has been looking for. I think that the retirement, the official retirement of Tuukka Rask, has really solidified uh, Jeremy's um, reign uh, as probably the next franchise goaltender. And I believe that that's so. Let's hope it keeps uh, keeps going, and his uh, solid play is is up to par because. Um, we're going to really rely on a guy like this, and believe it or not, we're going to rely on Linus Omar to even be around him because these two work so well together. It's like a family. It's like another a mother from another whatever. You know, it's like hey, a mother from we're another from, mother. You're from Alaska. I'm from Sweden, but somehow we're family, and and it's all working out. And um, I'm really happy to see that. You know, he's not going up and down. There's no, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no career ruining uh, demotion and so on. But um, with, uh, you know, having Rookie of the Month uh, labeled on you, it it also brings on what you mentioned earlier, is like Calder Calder, um, Trophy um, consideration. Now, yeah, consider it, absolutely. But... The way that everything has been panned out so far for Jeremy Swayman, I just don't think it's in, in the works for him to get the Calder. Now, would I love it? Would I love it because of history? Guess who else won a Calder in Boston? Guess who else wore the number one 18 years ago or whatever? Andrew yeah. Ray.
2: That's one reason why maybe I don't want him to win it because I mean, Razor was good here and then we traded him and got Tuca, but he yeah. fizzled out there in Toronto. So, uh, exactly stay away from the Calder there, Sway.
0: <laughs> you don't need but, it. But to be honest with you, I just think that we mentioned his name earlier and I mentioned uh, him being a Calder too. Is that Trevor's egress and so on? Those guys have been playing a hell of a lot more games and I think contributing a little bit more to the game offensively that are going to garner more attention when you're talking about consideration for trophy winners and so on. Yeah. It's great to have Jeremy up there and and, and in the mentions, if he wins it, awesome. It's going to be amazing, but still, it's just, I don't see him winning it, but regardless, not a
1: big deal if he doesn't at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not a big deal at all. Um, So Blake, when we go to you first about Jeremy Swayman and his rookie of the year and where you see him finishing out the rest of this campaign
1: so i obviously love jeremy swayman he came in last year and he's just been a stud since then i mean a 934 save percentage 1.82 goals against average and that's better than what he has for stats this year which are he's leading goals against average tied with and at 1.95 and then just to say percentages within the top 10 too. So like his rookie year numbers are consistent and he's going to stay here a while. No one should even ever debate that. The goalie situation shouldn't even be talked about for the next year and a half. And the only thing we should talk about within the next year and a half is his contract. And then after that, it's till the end of uh, Omar's contract, which is in 24, 25, I believe. And maybe you see what you do there. But other than that, he's a solidified starter moving forward. Maybe not at the moment because they're kind of doing the this mix and match. And I like it because it's getting him comfortable. Lena Solmark's still providing very good goaltending. So I love the tandem that they have going on and I would like them to run with it for the rest of their contracts.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm not there yet. I am still pumping the brakes on my expectations for this kid. I don't want to, go ahead and fill my head with, he's going to be, you know, the next so-and-so-and-so put his name in. I I, I really want to temper my expectations here because the biggest thing for me is I need to see how he does in his sophomore season. That's the killer for young goaltenders. You've seen it. And I, I need to see him get through that before I start thinking about contract and start thinking about, you know, so on so on i i don't blame you for thinking that way though trust me i don't blame you it's exciting this kid is exciting with the numbers i run with the numbers it, it, right exactly it's exciting he's he's definitely going to be i mean i'm with you i think he's going to be something special i really do but I'm, I'm also trying to keep myself grounded a bit just in case if you you know the worst happens
0: all right all right kevin so somebody uh, on Twitter, I think it was yesterday. My days are getting so confused these days with these late-night games and all this coffee and shit. But I do have to ask because somebody did bring it up on Twitter. I'm not going to mention the name like I did with Smitty, but um, was saying that this uh, this goaltender, Jeremy Swayman, has, is playing so well that he's increasing his trade value. And would you – would you, even though you're a pump breaker and so on, on on his expectations and him being the, the next Ken Dryden in and, and, and 10 Stanley Cups in nine years, whatever? Um, would you package Jake DeVrusk, Jeremy Swaman, for a player like Jacob Chickren? No, okay, nope.
2: see, that's all that's the only thing I need to say is no, I don't even yeah. need to explain it. Everyone I don't know, that's why. <laughs>
0: I don't see that happening either. As much as I would love to have Jacob Chickering on this team and so on, he's a um, a big defenseman uh, and, you know, he can play, you know, he can be a mobile uh, blue liner and so on. But my thing is, is like, who are you going to rely on or who are you going to build up for the future when Jeremy Swayman is gone? Because, yeah, we we have seen some ups and downs, Alenius Allmark. We have seen some good and bad games from him. <laughs> but who else is in the pipeline that's going to step right in that can be that type of Jeremy Swayman? I don't see it. Um, right. If we had, if we had somebody, let's just say Phillips.
1: Still, but, yeah.
0: you know. Right, right. Exactly. But I, I'll just put this out there. If Phillips Vedebeck, who was p- picked in the uh, third or fourth round last in 2021 was like the next one. And he was playing outstanding, going to Providence next year and just rips it up. I'd be Okay. We'll see what happens with him, but he's not in the NHL yet to give you a proper evaluation. But I, you just don't trade something like this. Maybe if he has a downside, maybe he takes the path of Andrew Raycroft. You know, wins the Calder, has a bad year, and then that's you know, move on. But at this particular moment, I don't see him increasing his trade value to move right now because you need, in my opinion, and I've said this several times in the previous podcast. You need to build from your crease up. And I think that what we have right now is is uh, sustainable, if not even more than that. Um, but, you know, there's always good things that can happen from this. It's just a crapshoot. It really is. It's such a gamble.
2: Yep. I was on board with um, trading him for a guy like Chikrin. I was before. But that was also before, you know, tukaresk retired. Now that Tuka Rask is retired, it's absolutely a flat-out no. And even before that, it was a hard it, it was a hard decision. You know, I was on the fence about it because, um, you know, I thought that maybe you could have Tuka Rask and Linus Elmark in your net for the next three years and kind of worry about it at that point because Linus is still young. He's 28, I believe. Um, Tuka, I mean, 34, he could still play another, you know, three, four solid years, you know, but now that that's not going to be a thing, you need to keep the kid. And now he's showing you definitely why you need to keep him.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's move on to another one. Um, should we talk about the Nick Felino on the fourth line, or did we exp- talk about that enough? We talked about it enough. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Good for one. Nicky, boy. Yeah, absolutely. Pumping his tires throughout this podcast. And I've been um, consistent
2: with that, too. That's we'll true. That's true. Him.
0: Absolutely. Um, is a right wing becoming the most needed position, um, to fill since the, uh, the confirmation of debrusque is still going to be traded? Uh, yeah. I, I, to, for me, uh, I'm sorry, i am jumping right in on this one. We, we have not we have not seen it and Craig Smith, who I thought could be a reliable right winger on that first line. But when we're seeing more of Craig Smith now on the third line, which is not a huge point producer, but it works well with Coyle and, and Trent Frederick, which is which is fine by me. But still the the right side is needs to be addressed, whether it be via trade this year. Off season when they can um, bring somebody in, in and, and and get a huge right winger that you know move the needle for next year's championships. I hope Fabian oh, Lysol. Yeah, yeah, pump the brakes on that one guy.
2: <laughs> when, when did when did um freaking
1: Darth Vader into the room? please <laughs> I'm trying to catch him off guard. We need <laughs> Fabian Lysol. I think we do. Oh,
0: oh we, we need it. We need it, be, but not yet.
1: I think he needs to be in the back six next year. Really? really? Yeah. Year
0: at the NHL level,
1: you could see it. You never know. You I've could love but... his production. Oh awesome. yeah, I do he's too. Got, really. I, I, know to you do. I know you guys are all over it, but he's got throw he's got to see what he can do.
2: He's got to fill out. You know, he's got to he's got to get that aggressiveness to his game to play at the NHL level. I think him I think him going to Providence next year is very feasible. I think that's something that you definitely could see. Um now whether he stays in Providence or not, that's up to him and that's up to how he does in the off season working towards um you know building himself up. So we'll see we'll see how that goes, but I don't think you're far off though, Blake. I don't. I mean, he's got the skills. He's NHL ready when it comes mm-hmm. to all that stuff, the skating, the skills, the awareness, the IQ. He's got it all. It's just, I think he's got to get a little bit more up to speed uh, physically, and I—I I mean, we'll see what man. he can do. Yeah. I mean, uh, it wasn't—it wasn't long ago that David Pasternak was weighing about 165 pounds, soaking wet in the <laughs> NHL, doing what he was doing, but he looked like Bambi out there at times. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't want to see a player like LaSalle get hurt. We don't necessarily need to um, speed him up the way that, um, the path was really paved for a David Pasternak. Cause it was a different time. You know, we weren't fighting for the playoffs really at that point. Um, you know, he came in on that season where we missed the playoffs in 15, um, and then followed up with another miss in 16. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. He very well could, you never know, but, um, but yeah, the right winger. Yeah, I mean, for me, I want to see uh, the 2000 and, and um, the 2004 uh, Nathan's Hot Dog winner. Um, you know, eating eating winner. However you do that, award winner. There, Phil Kessel. I want to see him. Cause oh, that's amazing. a cheap. That's that can be a cheap move if he wants to come here. Great if he doesn't. That's fine too. But I think he would be a, a good first shot guy. He's also been racking up assists this year. I mean, I think he could. You know do something very well on that line. We'll see if they're able to do something like that, but that's going to be a cheap, you know, a cheap, cheap deal that you can make that would make sense for this team to do. So we'll see. Big
0: try. Absolutely. And just jumping back to Fabian LaSalle, I think uh, that the, the, the path should be one, at least one full season in the, in the American hockey league. Now, his contract, he's, he did sign an entry-level deal uh, be, uh, before going to um, the Vancouver Giants or the WHL. Um, so any year that he continues to play over there is a contract slide. Um, so as soon as he hits the American Hockey League, which is hopefully next season, his, uh, his ELC, his three-year ELC will, uh, will go into effect. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's some talk that he could even go back to the dub uh, one more year. And then play one more one full season in the American Hockey League, and then go from there. I know it's a long time, Blake. I know it, but there's there's got to be some patience here. And I know fans um, like yourself are real uh, aggressive on you know getting a player like him in his in his uh, offensive capabilities. Um, but there's such a difference in leagues too. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. um, the last the last NHL player on this Boston Bruins team that came out of the Canadian Juniors was um uh, right right to pro was um brandon carlo out of tri city and so it's been kind of a while since uh that kind of happened and i believe that the bruin don sweeney and staff just have a little bit more patience um with with players and 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 properly developing and so on because in previous years and i'm an old man and i've been around for a long time i've seen them rush players, Zach Hamill, Jordan Caron, all these, all these players that just never panned out after, after, um, you know, trying to get them involved in the lineup as soon as possible. So um, have some patience. You're a young
1: man. You're not going to die anytime soon. You're going to be a baby in yeah, a minute. All right. Time. I'll see your whole career. It'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah, dry>. Exactly. <laughs> just to add on that, I just found the craziest stat ever in 1942, Bep Guidolin, a 16 year old, Played for the Bruins.
0: Oh, Jesus! Jesus. Yeah, that's wow.
1: nuts. He's the youngest. Yeah, but the were
0: too, he, he <laughs> was probably was a nice. chimney
2: cleaner that they ripped out of a chimney and threw him on the ice or something. Right? No kidding. <laughs>
1: it's all dirty and shit. Just not...
0: where the hell did you find that stat in the podcast? I
1: literally, was I literally looked up youngest player in NHL, and that just popped up.
0: No, that's funny. Wow. Nuts. Interesting. Good, good on you for doing the research. The Mid. Yeah, exactly, on the, on fly. the fly. All right. Uh, moving on to the next topic and final one before Ask BNG, B&G. Uh, as the Bruins' second line, um, the center, is it safe to say for the he's good enough to go on a run? I mean, you added this one, right? I did. Explain Was yourself, this- sir. So, I
1: mean, you cut out a little bit, yeah. I know. I'm going in and out. Sorry, it's probably my wife. I don't worry about it.
0: No, it's me. I can see the, I can see the uh, the level
1: over here. Yeah, it's
2: Mark. He doesn't have the best uh, luck when it comes to his internet, unfortunately. Keep rolling on to get the call. Uh, with Eric Haller, though, um, there's so many people out there who say. There's no way in hell that you can make a run with Eric Halla as your second line center. And I think that he just continues to prove these people wrong. And it, and it doesn't even have anything to do with the two goals. I mean, the two goals is great. But I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys, all right? I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Eric Halla in 26 games since January 1st, has 17 points and is a plus nine. I think that is very respectable for a second-line center. Now, if you don't think that is respectable for a second-line center, tell me if you think this is respectable for a first-line center. Patrice Bergeron, in 25 games since January 1st, has 18 points and is a plus 8.
0: Wow, that is interesting.
2: So if Eric Holla isn't good enough to be a 2C, then Patrice Bergeron is not good enough to be a 1C. If you want to go that way and you want to tell me that Eric Hall can't can't play between two superstar wingers on a Stanley Cup run, that's just all I'm gonna say. I understand there's more and, and Eric Hall has also been playing a good two hundred foot game. He's been contributing to that line. He's been good in the faceoff dot. He's doing the things he needs to do. He's really stepping up. And uh, I hate to see the guy get clowned on by people and say that they need to go out there and get a Tomas Hurdle or a or, or a JT Miller when there is more obvious needs on this team over that, in my opinion. Your right side is gonna need a guy now, now that the guy you didn't even know you had to go on that line in uh Eric I mean sorry, and uh Jake Debrusk is most likely gonna be gone at the deadline. You need to fill that more than you need to fill something that is not broken. Yeah. And defense. I mean, defense for me and Mark, I mean, I'm not sure about you, Blake, but is key, 100% key for this team. They need to go championships. Out. Exactly. Right. They need to go out there and they need to share that up. So Eric Haller for me, I think he is doing a fantastic job. He's contributing to that line. He's not a detriment to that line. He is not a liability on the ice. He's doing great. Leave him alone. Leave him there. You can Wait. hate me all you want for saying it.
1: I completely agree and granted some people will just go look up his stats and say he's on the D cell but like this season in his 10 years in NHL seasons is tied for his fourth most point productive year and granted his most was in Vegas in their cup run year back four years ago he had 55 points that season just four years ago and he's at 22 right now that's not the same point per game obviously but he's still providing seven goals 15 assists this year. That's not too bad. And you said his stats as of recent were a lot more there than not. So I do think that he's not one of the issues that we need to assess. Had
2: Eric Holla been where I should I should have phoned Bruce Cassidy and told him my lines, you know, before the season started. Um, if if he had put Eric Holla there to begin the season and not have him um, you know flip-flopping around the lineup with inconsistent linemates same thing with Nick Felino
1: I' start there see right
2: uh, yeah he started yeah. out all over the place he never had a consistent place to be he got sad on the ninth floor um you know if if if, if they gave Eric Halla uh, uh, David pasanac and Taylor Hall the um the preseason to really get going and then threw them right in there if Cassidy could have seen this coming, I don't know how he didn't see it coming. It blows my mind still. It's like, dude, you're a professional coach. You should be seeing this coming. I saw this coming, and I am just a guy with bags under his eyes. So <laughs> freaking if he had done that, Eric Holla would probably be on pace for his best point percentage of his career.
0: And and, and to, to finish up on the Eric Holla talk, um, for me, it's his response after he got sat on the ninth floor uh, a game or two. Um, obviously, did not like that. Obviously, knew that he had to uh, bring more of a contribution to this Boston Bruins team. And with the lineup change that Bruce did after the uh, the two week um, COVID timeout or, or Christmas break, whatever you want to call it, um, I think he responded really good. And I don't think he's really dropped off that far from where he is now. So. Uh, moving forward with the rest of the I mean under 30 games to go before the postseason I think this is a really good comfortable zone for Eric Hall and we're seeing um the benefits of it so um, you know good on coaching staff on just uh, identifying that he needs to see the game from a different view and they always say that we I mean uh Brick and 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 even uh, Jack they always say that once you get up to the ninth floor, you get a different perspective of, of how the game flows and so on and your decision-making and your and your IQ when you look up ice and and when to make a stretch pass, when not to make a pass, and and all these different aspects of the game. But we're seeing some solid things from Eric Hall. And, and you know, th- these are the type of impacts you want to get from a signing like him, which is, it's not a blow away signing, like a seven, $8 million deal. It's more of a, you know, a uh, feasible three million, a two million, one million dollar freaking uh, um, you know adjustment uh, over the off season. So uh, good on him, you know, and and hopefully it keep continues because you know, I mean the game last you know against the L.A. Kings I thought was by far his best game, and I'm not just talking about the two goals that he netted, but you just see him very very involved. And if that continues, you know I wish it continued a little bit more into the uh, the Anaheim game, but still I mean. Everybody's going to have their off days. All right. You guys ready for some hashtag ask BNGs? I got 11 of them. It was was a crazy. Jesus. Yeah, it was a crazy one. All right, here we go. Hashtag ask time. This is from Jeremy uh, Zetlin. Uh, Does Jake DeBrosque 100% have to be traded? How does he... um, Let me get rid of this. No, let me get rid of this. There we go. Uh, does Jake Dabrowski have to be traded? How does he, the team, uh, ah, can reconcile, reconcile. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> reconcile getting fair return uh, with his continued desire to be moved. Do you think he understands if they don't get an offer that seems fair? Does uh, And does this move uh, to the top line not solve the issues he had there? Hashtag Ask BNG. Interesting.
2: I'm going to go with the first part here and say, yes, he 100% needs to be traded, not only because he wants to be, but also even if he didn't want to be, he publicly asked for it. So, yes, he 100% needs to be traded. Um, As far as the rest of the question goes, um, I think if Sweeney isn't able to find a deal that makes sense for this team, whether it be a good enough pick or a good enough package, I very well could see him keep him until – the end of the season. And then from there at the draft trade his rights away for, which is probably going to not be a return. Anyone wants it's going to be like a fourth or a fifth, maybe even six round pick at that point. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, what was the last part of the question? It was.
0: Boom.
2: And does this, and does his move to the top line not solve the issues he had here? Um, no, I don't think I don't think it solves – I don't really think it solves the issues. I think only he can solve those issues. He's had plenty of chances in this uh, organization playing with great players like David Krejci um, and even playing with Charlie Coyle, who is a fantastic player. Um, it's really up to him and his commitment to the game. I think you've been seeing a lot of that lately. I don't think um, – so I think he's um, definitely on the ups, but, I mean, you've got to be wary of that player.
1: All right, let's move. um, Blake, do you have anything to add? I think uh, he's got to be moved, and Don Sweeney will move him for the best possible outcome for the Bruins, and if there's no best possible outcome through him and the trade deadline, then he will use him in the future for something else. Absolutely.
0: We're going to do a couple of hashtag and Gs and save the rest for them for next week. Um, So we'll uh, check out Lance Scavetta right now. How big of a splash, if any, will the Bruins make at the deadline?
1: Ooh,
0: well, I just sound like Jack Edwards. My bad. Someone answer this. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. I honestly don't think that the Bruins are going to make a huge splash. I just don't. I just don't think that they have the assets to really um, move, move the needle. Um, as much as I want to see them do it, but I also am I'm a realist that I just don't think this is the lineup that really moves the needle for me to like say this is a Stanley Cup winner. I've said this several times in previous podcasts, so I really wouldn't go for the big fish right now because of where we are, um, but I do see like a lateral move being done. Uh, to you know, obviously, with 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 Jake DeBrusque leaving, you have to you know get a roster spot because I don't think that anybody uh, from Providence is ready to come up and play the those um those top line minutes. Uh, I think that Oscar Steen's a solid player and so on, but I don't think that he's absolutely ready to take on Jake DeBrusque and, and the right side on the first line between uh, on the uh, on the side of Marshanna Bergeron.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean. To add to that, I don't, I completely agree. I don't think they're going to splash big. They, most of us are realizing, and I hope the front office is realizing that this team is not a president's team. It's not gonna, they're not gonna be able to surpass teams like the Hurricanes, like the Panthers, in my opinion. And I'm sure you guys can attest to that as well. I do think the smartest play here is making just one or two moves to better them a little bit if possible at the deadline but there's no rush because the summer is right around the corner too
2: yep yep i agree um <clears throat> i i think there's just too much in front of them uh it's it's going to be a tough climb for them to get to that cup i i don't i don't i don't think you know burying your future on this one cup run on a team that is not quite there is a smart move, but to be honest with you guys, I have a bad feeling that Don Sweeney is going to be doing something that we don't like at this deadline. I I have this odd feeling that he's going to really go hard after the guy that he's been trying to get for a couple of years here. And that's Connor Garland. And I don't think it's a good move. It's yeah. It helps your team today, but what are you going to do when LaSalle's ready to go? You gotta put him on the third line, okay? That's fine, but what about what about when he's ready to go up to that top line with Trees Bergeron and Brad Marchand? If, or you know, well, who knows if Bergeron would even be here? But you know, let's just say, what are you gonna do when he's ready to jump into that top six? You know, I mean, I, I think Garland may be making enough money to go down on that third line, uh, if possible. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I just see him making a move to appease somebody. I don't know who that somebody is, but whether it's Bergeron and Marshan or the, someone in the front office or you know the owner or even fans or just thinking it's the right thing to do to get a, a new contract, I don't know. I'm nervous. I'm very nervous, guys. <laughs> Me too. I don't like these three weeks right now. I usually love trade deadline. I
1: usually love it. But this year, I don't. Don Sweeney's on a contract year too, right? So I yes. could be yeah. happy. Yeah, that's never good.
0: Absolutely. Let's get to the last one uh, for this week, and I promise we'll save the rest for next week. Um, but this was an interesting one. Um, this is from Ken Jacobs uh, on the Facebook. Any college prospects possibly joining the Bruins right after this college season ends soon? And I know that we talked about this with Don Tiano last week. The, um, the Boston Bruins, and, and there's a mandated 50 contract um, for every team and the Boston Bruins have five or six available spots, which I think are, they, they are in a really good position to bring on um, some NCAA players that are undrafted right now and ready to be free agents after the frozen four, particularly one for me is John Beecher. I think that once um, uh, Michigan is out or they're done and they win the national championship, if, if possible, I think that he signs an entry-level deal and moves right to Providence for next season. So there's one, so there's possibly four or five more options that are available. There's a lot of good NCAA prospects that are going to be out there that are going to have scouts in, and and guys with contracts that are going to be circling above. And, um, you know, um, we've seen this Boston Bruins organization really strike it good with, with the uh, NCAA level in the past. And I'm not saying that they've came out and made huge impacts that move the needle to us winning every game and blah, 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 but more or less it's a sustainability at the uh, the, um, the minor pro levels in and, and, and those uh, break glass of a case of emergency types of situations when you need a player um more or less like a Carson Kuhlman and and Nick Wolf and blah 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 so um yeah I definitely see them uh being active in the NCAA stuff because uh we've seen it in the past yeah I
1: mean I'm not as well versed in somewhat of the um prospect pools or the like the Providence Bruins perhaps um for the Bruins farm system but I do like to follow like some of the guys, cause I just find it interesting. And one guy that really always catches my eyes and pardon me if I botch this name, but Mason Lowry, I think he's been very good at Ohio state. I mean, 31 games played four goals, 25 assists. That's not bad at all. And granted, he probably won't get pulled from the NCAA. No, not after a freshman year. Yeah, not at all. But yeah, we need, we need to... some upside look for the Bruins prospects.
2: We need uh, Thomas from the uh, Short Shift pod to come in here with an at <laughs> on that uh,
1: pronunciation. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Uh, Lori? Laura. Regardless yeah.
2: of that, um, no,
1: oh, mark the Your guy. Pronunciation guide.
2: Yeah, Mark's the guy when it comes to that stuff. You know, Mark and, and Dom, who was on the uh, on the show last week. Um, but if you listen to last week's episode, you know um, you'll hear a lot about stuff like that. Um, and even the bonus pod that we did, which was a live stream, but we have the audio up for if you want to check that out. Um, yep. But works, yeah. You know, Mark a said it more there. Yeah, Mark said it perfectly. I think Mark, um, you know, he knows what he's talking about there, and I I like him do believe you'll see Beecher up here so Beecher is a is a guy that you'll definitely see and and maybe he'll surprise us i mean right now he's probably a fourth or a third line type of guy on a boston bruins team but maybe he'll surprise us who knows we'll see
0: that's it all right, guys. Um, let's uh, talk about our Patreon. We do have a Patreon account that we we truly appreciate people and listeners and 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 our fans to contribute to. It's only a dollar per episode, and we do about four or five, maybe six episodes a month. And it's a really small investment, but you get to be eligible to win some amazing stuff every week. And I gotta get caught up. I know I'm I'm slacking. You know, running a small sports media company and having a full time job. It's not easy, but I will get caught up. I have a list of play, uh, people that I have to send stuff to. But, like, every week we give stuff away like this. This is Rick Middleton, hand-signed, fully authenticated puck. That's once a week we give something like this away. But once a month.
1: That's some good stuff right there.
0: We give away hand-signed jerseys, fully authenticated. This is Don Marcotte, Stanley Cup champion, 1970-72, a buck. I send this to you, you put it up in your fan cave, and you make your room look so much better.
1: A dollar. It's crazy. Yep. But if you, and I'm what we do be is- like, we, Whoa, is that a <laughs> Reggie jersey? Oh,
0: no, no. I'm not buying that. I wouldn't even put that up in my own wall. But anyway, <laughs> so what we do is we take half of that dollar and we pay some bills here for our small sports media company, and we take the other half of your dollar and, 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 and just buy more stuff for you to be eligible to win. So check out the information below, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. Get involved, help us out, and we'll help you spice up that fan cave that you desperately need because it looks terrible. Get rid of the Red Sox. Get rid of the Patriots. Get rid of the revolution whatever else goes on in Boston sports, and just black and gold, everything. I'm telling you.
2: And, and don't be like me and put a Dougie Hamilton jersey on your wall. Oh, get geez. out there and get yourself some sports memorabilia. By Somebody
0: was chirping you on the hashtag uh, the hashtag BNG and said something about the, uh, the Hamilton jersey.
2: Yeah, I get chirped for it, but you know what? If they don't like it, they can buy me a new away jersey with whatever player they want on it. Yeah, more that's than weird. one. Me
1: personally, the only other sport that will touch my wall is golf, and the one person would be Tiger Woods. But I got John Daly. I'm actually I'm there.
0: That's funny. When I do these programs, I'm always watching the Golf Channel. <laughs> I, I'm a huge golf fan. I love golf. As well. Yeah. Well, All right.
2: We, yeah, we've loved having you on uh, today, Blake. It was a great time. I had a blast, guys. I mean, the only discrepancy I have is, I mean, you've made me and Mark both look ugly as hell. You know, we got a <laughs> handsome, we got a handsome guy over here on the pod. You know, making me and Mark over here look like some ogres or something. But uh, we had a great time. A yeah,
0: Blake. Blake, thank you so much for joining us. We, we'll, we'll definitely do this again. Um, yeah, definitely. Coming up uh, soon with your availability, obviously. And um, I got to I got to plug you personally. Uh, Blake does a fantastic job uh, um, of updating the Boston Bruins games with some really good relevant information. I'm always retweeting. You know what, Blake? I got to tell you something. Use at least the hashtag NHL Bruins because, and when you do that, you catch that algorithm that people yeah. need to see, and that's what I'm trying to do for you. So, if you add it for me, I'll just retweet it. But, Sweet. yeah, okay. do it. Yeah, you, you do an amazing job with uh, all that <laughs> information <laughs> right. and so on. So, and um, I gotta thank you. It's a you, pleasure man. having
1: me. I mean, You've helped me grow my coverage so much, I really appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. And the more you know you keep coming on here more, we'll keep we'll keep pumping your tires. You know though, but you know what? You're a good guy.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. It'll be my pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Kevin O'Keefe. Uh give him a follow at Kevin Underso o'keefe 89 Kevin, thank you very much as always for being the co-host here on the Black Go Hockey Podcast. I want to thank everybody who listens, shares um interacts with us this is the best part about it is like we do a show and then the interaction afterwards is amazing so um we just we love you all um please do the patreon please give us a a, um, a rate and review on apple Podcasts particularly spotify now has a rating and review so if you could do that too that'd be fantastic but uh, until then I'm Mark Albright host that's Kevin O'Keefe that's Blake Col- uh, Blake Coleman <laughs> Hey, can I borrow a hundred grand, buddy? No, oh
1: kidding. my god, I can get
0: my speech impediment done. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with And that? that's Blake Thorne, yeah, Blake Thorne. That's what I meant, not Blake. It's an E at the end, yeah, exactly. But anyway, thank you very much, guys. We'll talk next week. Peace, yeah.
1: out, Peace out. Peace out.
0: Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at black and gold pod at BNG productions at black and gold two seven seven and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official black and gold website, where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.